Welcome to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson, a show that brings you regular interviews, tips and tools for building your business online. Let me take just a few seconds here to tell you about my brand new e-commerce course uh, that is perfectly designed for those of you who are looking to build your own online business, right? I know it's going to work well for you guys because we deep dive into the process that I use to build my own e-commerce businesses. We're going to look at the six key elements that you need to be aware of for building a successful online store. I'm utterly convinced it'll make a huge difference to your business. I am super proud of it let me tell you and it is brand new for 2020 it's called the e-commerce masterclass you can check out what other people think about the course you can find out more information on my site at mattedmondson.com Well, hello and welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me your host Matt Edmondson. This is a show all about how to grow your online business. And every week, I get to speak to some really amazing people from the world of e-commerce. I get to ask them all kinds of questions about what they know and how it's going to help us develop online. Now, historically, we've had one guest per show, but being as this is the end of 2020 and the start, hopefully, of a very different 2021, we have been doing something a little bit different. What we have done is we've contacted our guests from the last 12 months. We have invited them back to talk about what lessons they have learned from 2020 that they are taking into 2021 and trying to figure out how that can help us uh, with our own businesses, both in running the business, being an entrepreneur, being business people, but also growing our business online into 2021. And in today's show, we have part one of some great tips from people like Chloe Thomas. We've got Porig Walsh. We've got Ian Moyes. We have Nancy Badillo. We have Merrick D'Souza. And we have Neil Roberts. Oh, yes, this is a jam-packed episode for you uh, that we have got in store. So you are definitely going to want to pay attention to all of this. Now, If you have a notebook, get it ready. But if you're in the car driving or for whatever reason you can't take notes right now, you'll be pleased to know that all of the notes from today's show will be available as a free download with links to all of the guests and what they're up to. Uh, All you've got to do is head on over to the website ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 46 because we're on episode 46. So just ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 46 and it will take you straight to this page. Now, without further ado, should we jump in? I think we should. Let's get started with our very first guest today, Chloe Thomas, who, if you're a regular to the show, you will know she is a regular to the show, if you get what I mean. Uh, Chloe is the host of the Optimizing uh, Keep Optimizing podcast, and she is always super generous with her expertise and knowledge. So here is an excerpt from my conversation with Chloe. What are you taking from 2020 into 2021? Oh, that's a cracking question. So I think I think what I'm taking from 2020 into 2021, she says buying time to get the answer right, <laughs> is that um, 
I think everything that the pandemic has thrown at us in the world of e-commerce, especially the world of e-commerce, actually, no, the whole of the world of e-commerce, I think has made us better at our jobs. I think we've been forced to analyze better, to work out, you know, whether your sales have gone through the roof or they've plummeted, it's really forced you to take a look at the results and work out what to do more of and what to stop doing. Mm. It's really forced us to look at our systems and go, oh, dear God, that's horrendous. You know, you hear about the high street guys who've survived the best through this, and it has been because they already had the systems in place that enabled them to dispatch from store, that enabled them to reroute customer service queries to the store staff. Yeah. So they could keep as the, the web was going crazy, they could redeploy one of, you know, for a high street business, probably your second biggest outlay is your team. And you could redeploy the team onto doing something, which quite frankly can only be good for team morale, let alone the bottom line of the company. Mm. So I think it's it's made us better in many, many ways in this industry and as uh, you know, business owners and marketers. And I hope we will continue that and continue improving on that as we go into whatever next year brings us. Uh, so we are able to move more flexibly, able to react better with less pain points and less issues, and you know, able to be in a position where we can treat our customers and our staff better because we've got those systems in place, which of course will make it all a lot better in the long run. And I think one of the the big themes which has come out across all of that for me is the the needing to get to understand the customer better. You know, it, it seems like there's people spending a lot more time on content and on social and on personas because they're trying to make sure they're appealing to the right customers or, you know, if they've got massive sales they're trying to work out how do we appeal to the right people because we can't market to everybody because we haven't got the stock or on the flip side of that if the sales have gone down it's how do we really get to understand our customers so we can start recovery and i think that is that's what i'm taking into 21 is a is kind of a sense of, of hope and um kind of loving the industry we're in because i think we've really grown this year and i think we're moving um you know the, the future's looking really bright for e-commerce mm. um and I think bright for retail overall, but yeah. I'm sure people shoot me for saying that one. But but I think, you know, this is just a, an acceleration of a rebalancing that was happening anyway. And the retailers who can create the great experiences and and so forth will survive. There's still a place for, for the high street here. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Chloe, thank you very much. As usual, you've been an absolute legend. My pleasure. Always, always good to fun. talk to you. Indeed. Well, big thanks again to Chloe. And if you haven't done so already, check out Chloe's new podcast. It is called Keep Optimizing. And in that show, she talks about all things e-commerce with some great guests, even if I do say so myself. Yes, I have been a guest on that show. <laughs> okay, so links to Chloe and her show will be in today's show notes uh, that you can get for free. Just head on over to ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 46 and you'll be able to get those no problem now next up is porig walsh who is our resident uh, behavioral psychologist uh, porig has been on the show a number of times including actually uh, just in the last few weeks uh, as he shared his expertise and uh, insight and knowledge and all wonderful things so uh, let's carry on that conversation here are some more tips and expertise from porig if you think about 2020 uh <laughs> I know some of us don't want to, uh, but, you know, if we think about 2020, what what have you learned? What are some of the big things that you're taking through into 2021? 
Uh, I suppose one of the things, Matt, is this fear of the unknown that I suppose for me, what, what astounded me was if we were sitting here uh, in, in October, November 2019, and you outlined to me all of the things that were going to happen to humanity, to, you know, globally, that there's no little island you can go to and escape all of this really. Uh, it's going to have some impact, that flights are going to be grounded, that shops are going to be closed, that people are going to die, people are going to get sick, schools are going to close for six months of the year. P you know, uh, Carnation Street isn't going to be filming for three months <laughs> of the year. You know, literally... Heaven forbid! Heaven yeah, forbid! That, 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 you know, the US presidential elections will have drive-through rallies and that they were, it will be absolutely dominated by this. I would say, God, I, I, I think we're going, the whole world is going to go into meltdown. Mm. You remember the, the volcanic uh, ash? Uh, do you remember that that a few years ago where their flights were grounded for two weeks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worst yeah. thing that happened, we were going, what? Why can't we cope with this? Yet, I, would, I could count on, on one hand the number of people I know who have, moved, who have flown, been in an airplane this year, who have flown to a different place. Yeah. We just haven't been able to do that. Yeah. Yet, at the same time, we're resilient. Mm -hmm. And the, 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 I suppose, human resilience, human adaptability uh, has been the thing that has struck me most about 2020. So it's actually, it's a positive in one sense. <laughs> when I was a teenager, I was like, I always, I knew something had to happen in my lifetime. You know, <laughs> just, just going with the statistics, you so, know, yeah, something. Statistically, yeah. something's going to happen. There's been, there's been war. There's been famine. There's been bad shit that happens. Yeah. Um, and we've had. I hope. I, I really, really hope that this is the, the 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 major event of our time. I really, really do that. This was the the major event. Uh, was a global pandemic. Yet, for the most part, uh, on a day to day basis, you see people adapting being resilient, being civil, being friendly yeah. with each other, helping each other out. There's always going to be elements of society that don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, what I've been astounded with in 2020 is our ability to adapt, to stay cheerful, to be resilient and to yeah. have flexibility to yeah. cope with massive changes in a very, very short space of time. No, that's a brilliant answer. And I've loved it. I've loved the... I mean, I've not loved the pandemic, don't get me wrong, but I, I have loved how the majority of, of humans have responded yeah. uh, and, and ju just put their hearts out there and just started to care and, and help people. I've, I've, it's been fantastic, actually, to see. Yeah. Uh, super big thanks to Porig. As always, uh, you get lots of stuff out of it, don't you? And, of course, you can find all of that on the show notes and links to the conversation uh, with him on our website at ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 46. You, I think, will be learning this URL by now if you've stuck with us this far. Uh, and if you have, stay with us because we have another great guest lined up. So let's check in with Ian Moyes, who is a technical sales leader and social influencer. Always love my conversations with Ian. And this one is no exception. Um, what lessons are you taking from 2020 into 2021? What are the, what are the sort of the key things that you think, actually, I'm, I'm, this is really cool. I'm taking this forward. Uh, I think some really basic things to be honest, don't, don't take things for granted. Mm -hmm. Um, be prepared to be agile and accept change. 
I mean, how many people um, plan to change, plan to do something differently, never get around to it, um, and think about how you can develop yourself. Something I've said during this, and we, we may have spoken about when I spoke before, is if you're, you know, if you're in work and working fully now, you'll have to do things differently, accept change, accept, accept that you're at home, that's a big change. Um, if you're not, and you've either looking for a role or you've been furloughed, don't just sit on your laurels. I think it's far too easy for people to sit back and go, well, I have to wait it through or put a little bit of effort in. Put full effort in. You've still got, look at all the time you've been handed. You've been mm. given, a, you know, a, look on the positive. You've been given all this time. You know, yes, look for another role and don't be despondent that well, there's no roles out there. Pivot, pivot yourself. What else can you do? I wouldn't suggest necessarily from what I've heard using the government site that recommends a new role because it's providing some interesting alternatives for people. Um, but think about, okay, you've got skills. No matter what you've been doing, you've got skills and experience that are transposable. Yeah. Um, and if you're a hard worker and committed, people are going to see that. So make an effort, you know, continue to rec- every day because at some point someone's going to interview you and you want to be able to say, well, what were you doing? Well, Every day, I spent three hours proactively looking for new roles and applying. And at least you got a story to tell that's positive and learn something, learn a new skill. Yeah, you know, I've gone through. I'm pretty sure we'd have spoken, but I found that in the Salesforce area, for example, there's a free education thing you can go through called Trailblazer. So I've, I've, and you get to a Ranger status, the highest badge. I've done that three times now. I'm triple Ranger during COVID, and I've been working. But you know, I've been thinking, what do you want to come out of this? Saying. In that period, if anyone asks you, what do you want to say? Well, uh, don't have a good answer. Or do you want to say, no, I did this. I learned a new language. Yeah. Or, or I did whatever. I developed myself. That you've got a fantastic positive story to come out of it. And you'll feel better for, through it, right? Because yeah, you've totally. done something every day rather than sat and watch Netflix, which is easy to fall into. Yeah, no, it is. It is very, very good, very wise. What advice would you give to somebody who um, knows they need to change, uh, but like a lot of people struggle to change? What what I mean, you go through this process of change. You obviously are going to be like the rest of us and struggle with change. What 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 do you do differently? Small bite sized chunks. I think people try and bite off more than they can chew. And that's the problem. Right. And, and I'll give, give an easy example, and, and I'm the same. Procrastination is easy. When there's a big job to do, and you know that is going to be a huge thing to climb, you never want to start it because you think, well, when I start, I've now got to deal with this. Mm. Rather than breaking it down. So, for example, I, I often write blogs, etc. You sit there with a white piece of paper, and it's a, what, oh, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow, um, is write down the notes in it right don't start writing the blog thing oh i'll start paragraph one just think ideas bang idea just throw stuff onto the page go and find a stat go and find and and so you've got stuff on a page yeah. it doesn't make sense it's not in a constructed order it's not how you want it to be but you haven't got a blank page anymore then you start formulating well actually i could start to say this at the beginning so it's that nudging forward a little bit yeah. at a time rather than treating something as a big job because if you want to change whatever it is um, and it's just this huge job, you never get around to starting. Mm-hmm. It, it's the mountain climb, right? If you don't take the first step, you'll never climb the mountain because you just yeah. keep looking at it every day. Going, I'll, I'll, one day I'll climb that, and you never do. Mm. Take a step. That's one. Now take another step. Now another. It's breaking it down into chunks and things you can do because I always find whenever it looks like a big thing, don't we all put it off? 
Oh yeah. yeah. We'll get to that later. I'll do the easy thing now. I'll do I'll do these ten easy jobs, but the big one I'll do later. And when do you get to it? Start no, the big. Very good. Breaking out into smaller things. Yeah, the power of the small step. Yeah. Very good. Thanks, Ian. Much appreciated, my friend. Love that. The power of small steps. Ian's great, isn't he? Well, of course he is. We get great guests on the show just for you. So, you know, (laughs) uh, of course it's going to be good. But you can, of course, find out the notes from our conversation and the links to Ian if you want to connect with him all in our show notes, uh, which you know by now, ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 46. Just head on over there. Now, to bring on my next guest is Nancy Badillo or Badillo, uh, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Now, Nancy was a recent guest, actually. She was only with us in episode 41, where we had an absolutely fantastic conversation talking about Pinterest and Etsy, and I learned a whole bunch of stuff, let me tell you. I love that show, love talking with Nancy. So for you who are like me and love Nancy, here is some more Nancy. What are you taking from 2020 into 2021? Okay, so what I think I'm taking from 2020 to 2021 is that you have to put yourself out there. I think for many years, I wasn't brave enough to be in front of the camera. I wasn't brave enough to do, especially now with the technology, everything like TikTok, when it comes to reels, when it comes to video webinars, you have to make sure that you are present all the time in your business. And just doing behind the scenes is not enough to grow a business. So for me, what I'm taking for 2021 is that I'm going to do more podcasts. I'm going to put myself out there more. I'm going to do more live webinars. I'm going to do Facebook lives, Instagram lives, anything and everything that is going to potentially reach more people. And in the future, what I really want is to be on the tech talk um, and share my story and my journey. So I know that the way to reach the masses is to get out there in front of a lot of people. So that's what I'm taking in 2021. Fantastic. That's great. Thank you very much. Okay, I love sure. the I love the drive. I'm just going to be I'm just going to do a TED talk. Why not? Uh, go for it. How about it? It's, I, um... I can't barely speak English, but I'm gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Your your English is much much better than my Spanish. Let me tell you, it's just it just is what it is. Thanks, Nancy. Now, if you listen to episode 41, you will know that Nancy at the time was just about to release her course on Etsy, which she has done now. And I signed up for it and I've actually been working through it with my 13-year-old daughter. Oh, yes, we've been having a great time doing that. It is honestly a great course, so comprehensive. I have never, ever seen anyone update their course as much as Nancy does. She is continually bringing huge amounts of value. So do check it out. Uh, And if you want to know more about that course, if you want to know more about Nancy, of course, as always, the links will be in today's show notes. Uh, Just head on over to, say it with me, ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 46. Now, before we bring on the next guest, let me just take a minute to thank this show's sponsor. Let me give a big shout out to one of our show sponsors, Curious Digital. You know what? I love its flexibility. It's such a great platform. You know how when you start out, you might typically use an online platform because they're cheap, they're easy to use, super accessible. But you know what? They aren't that flexible. And as your business grows, you end up moving to an agency, right? 
because that's just what you do. And at some point, you're going to have this nightmare to deal with, and it can be incredibly expensive. And the thing for me that I love about KD is it will grow with you. You can start out on the platform easily, and as your business grows, then KD will adapt with you. Now, I don't know of any other platform that does all of that. So if you're in the market for a new e-commerce platform, make sure you follow the links from mattedmondson.com. Take advantage of the offers that they've got for you and uh, let me know what you think. Okay, big thanks to uh, Curious Digital for sponsoring today's show. Uh, we will, of course, put a link to Curious Digital in the show notes so you can uh, find out more about that uh, on our website, ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 46. Now, let's bring on our next guest, which is going to be Merrick D'Souza, who was featured on the show way back in episode 26, where we talked about the weapons of influence and how to apply them to our own e-commerce business. I have to be honest, I love this show. It was a great show and it was great to speak to Merrick again and catch up. So without further ado, here's an excerpt from our conversation. What are you carrying forward to next year? What do you, what do you think next year is, is is you know what are some of the keys I think uh, for you for twenty twenty one? What are we carrying forward? Um, so obviously I'm not working right now, so I haven't you know been working over the lockdown period. I think. I think there are a couple of big changes that we're seeing. Um, so obviously, we've we've seen a, a rise in in the, in the amount of uh, the amount of focus on on digital. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's a growing trust in um, in automated um activities and the use of bots and things like that because that's the only way that um organizations are able to scale to meet the to to to, to have met the, the kind of growing demand that's happened so for example um because so many more people have been calling amazon or whatever other e-commerce site they've been using um, there's been a lot. There's been a greater demand for e-commerce for um, for customer support, and a lot of these companies haven't been able to do that by manning phones yeah. or chatbots. So they're actually using automated features for um, for uh, for managing issues, um, and that I think has created a great acceptance of automation as a means of engaging people and um, driving customer experience. Mm. And so I think that'll be one of the things we see in 2021 is a greater reliance and greater acceptance of, um, of chatbots and, and more automated um, activity as a, way of, uh, as a way of engaging people. Um, I think a lot of people actually prefer uh, sometimes using um, chatbots as a, as a as a quicker way 
to find out what they uh, um, to find the solution that they need. Uh, as long as what they as long as their problem isn't completely outlandish, where they actually need to talk to somebody. Um, if it's something that's um, a kind of regular issue, then you expect it to be solved more easily, and you don't necessarily want to, have to talk to somebody to explain it. Yeah, that's very true, and I think you're right. I think actually that's a really good observation that um, there is a growing acceptance now amongst users that actually talking to a machine is fine, and yeah. in most cases works very very well. Um, and so, um, machine learning, you know, AI, the sort of the new trends which are hitting um, the world and e-commerce uh, is is certainly involved in that. Actually. How that integrates and how that works with your online business, I think, is quite fascinating, isn't it? And and so you're right. I, I think we we will see a growing trend in it. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. He was telling me um, about something I think Tesla did, whereby they've got some AI um, project going on. Uh, maybe it wasn't. I can't remember who it was. Anyway, the, in effect, the whole purpose of this per, this piece of AI was to write content. You know, like blog posts and stuff, where we. We kind of spend hours researching and we spend uh, money on copywriters and so on and so forth to write blog posts. Well, now um, a machine did it. And I think it was they they put a post on something like the Huffington Post or some kind of well-known, well-established site. And no one guessed it was AI. Everyone thought it was a genuine, you know, published article. One of those pieces on Twitter. Mm. I got quite a bit of engagement. And, and, and there was an article written by, um, I basically said, you know, this is written by a bot, but you would never guess it. And I think the Guardian wrote about it as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, the philosophy for many years when it comes to customer service was to limit um, how many people actually you had to talk to, whether it's through FAQs or through, um, you know, phone systems where you have to select different options. Because I think now businesses are realizing that they don't need to limit um, how many people they talk to. They can actually scale more easily, and actually, that's a better mm. that's a better um, strategy. Yeah. So, hoping to see that as being a big as a being a big change. Um, that's really interesting. And the and the fact that and the fact that um, of course um, you don't need to be an Amazon to be able to scale easily using technology i think you're you're seeing um a lot more companies uh realize that yeah and benefit from it yeah no i totally agree i totally agree that's fantastic so what else do you see for 2021 well the other thing that i'm hoping for is um is that organizations will understand the need they need the, the need to humanize the brand so I think a lot of people want to feel um, that the organizations they rely on feel their pain and they treat them in a way that's more human mm. and less corporate. Um, that's a growing need. I think that's an opportunity for organizations to really change how they communicate and to use less corporate speak and to be more uh, more human and more real uh, and more empathetic 
with their customers. Um, so I'm looking for that as a, I'm, I'm looking for that as being a, as being a bigger change. I'm sort of seeing some signs of that in some organisations that are paying attention. How do you uh, see that? How do you see that being outworked? Being outworked. Yeah. How do you mean? As in, uh, if you're going to humanise, if 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 we're going to start to see people um, humanise the brand more and more, what are some of the ways you think people could or should do that? Um, well, um, well, I think firstly it, it can just be sort of tone of voice. Mm. Um, and I think um, we are, you, you, your your engagement strategy, right? I mean, just think about it less in terms of um, saving money and trying to get rid of people or solve problems as quickly as possible and actually building loyalty, mm. building relationships with people and seeing the opportunity of doing, uh, you know, f f for doing that, but also realizing that um, being more human is becoming more of a necessary activity and that you lose business if you, if you don't. So I think the main way that's expressed is, through your tone of voice, but also the kind of words you use, the language you're using, the imagery you're using, um, as well as thinking about how you engage with your customers. Mm. And also thinking about how you use your employees better. So I think part of, part of the strategy is not just thinking about engagement of customers, engagement of employees as well because they they are often your 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 front lines uh, your frontline staff so how you actually engage them and make them feel uh, more able to talk to customers and feel more purposeful in what they're doing mm. then the more likely people will feel that your brand your your company is being authentic so authenticity is what you know is, is what you then bring. So looking for ways to be more authentic with customers. So do you think then, uh, bringing it back to what you said at the start, because I, I like the sound of this. You know, you humanise your brand. Um, it's worked very well for Jersey, my beauty company. You know, and it's um, it's it. it I, I agree with you. People buy and people connect with authentic voices. They they connect with authentic companies very well. So do you see that there's a tension um, that arises between uh, humanizer brand, but also this rise in um, chatbots and machine learning, which are clearly not human uh, machines trying to mimic humanity, I suppose, in some mm -hmm. respects. So do you see there's a, is there a tension there or can that be managed? It can be managed. I mean, obviously, um, authenticity is important. So you don't pretend the chatbot is a real human being. Um, but the way that the chatbot responds to people and the kind of language it uses can be can mimic human interactions. Um, and actually, a certain amount of uh, humanity in your chatbot is important, but not too much. 
because that becomes really creepy. <laughs> yeah. So that's one thing they found, so not just with chatbots, but with robotics as well. So um, you're aware or you've heard of the robots or, so for example, the robot dogs that um, are used um, to work with elderly people for companionship. Mm. Some of the research they've shown is that if the dog is too empathetic, it actually comes off badly. It feels really creepy. So getting the right balance is important. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's how people feel at the end of the interaction, right? And that's that's how you that's how you're humanizing mm. around and thinking about the f- emotions that you're eliciting. So it's not necessarily it's not just about having a human face. It's making sure that you're sensitive to the emotions that you're creating in people and doing that in an authentic and deliberate way. Mm. So when you have, uh, when you're using a chatbot, be, be authentic, tell people that this is a chatbot, make sure they understand that if they need to escalate it to a human being, they can. Mm. So they understand the process they're going to go through at the beginning. Um, and not try to obfuscate or to make life more difficult for people, make it easier for people to get what they uh, to get what they need, yeah. rather than trying to hide and you know deal with issues in the most efficient way. So thinking really about effectiveness rather than just efficiency. Okay. Effectiveness through using time you have available to engage people to actually delight them and win their loyalty and seeing the longer term impact of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's great. Uh, wonderful. Um, can I ask you maybe one more question on this? Um, what do you think? Right. It's interesting, like we've we've just come through or are coming through the, the pandemic and it's been the most incredible and unusual year. Um, what is, I guess, what are some of the key lessons that you've learned in the midst of all of this, uh, in the midst of this pandemic and what has 2020 taught you? Oh, goodness me. I think, I mean, there's so much that, we won't understand what we need to learn from 2020 for a while. I think it'll take a long time for it to reveal itself. Um, we'll have to we'll have to see how um, people's work habits change. You know, will we go back to the previous way of living and working? and the expectation that we will always travel to work every day? Or will people actually want to spend more time at home mm. and work from home? Um, I mean, specific industries are going to change. Um, so we've got to understand that. I mean, we know, for example, that uh, a lot of 
retail business and restaurant businesses have been hurting, especially the ones in city centers, mm -hmm. because people aren't traveling there anymore. So how will that, you know, how will that change the high street in big urban areas? Um, you know, I think that's that's still to um, to un to reveal itself. Um, but you know, certain industries have benefited. A lot of tech industries have benefited. A lot of gaming industries have have um, <clears throat> have benefited. But what's the long term impact going to be for travel and the full ecosystem of businesses that revolve evolve around travel? I think that's going to be um, that's going to be huge. Mm. Um, will we see a, a return to people taking holidays in their own country? So one of the things that's been happening over the last sort of ten years has been that tourism's almost become too much. You know, there were a lot of places that a lot of famous tourist destinations like Venice and um, you know, Rio and places like that were saying we have too many tourists. We don't yeah. want tourists. Um, so will we? Will that kind of flatten out? And will tourism, tourist destinations, spread more evenly? Um, and that has a lot of implications as well for other businesses um, within. The tra sort of travel ecosystem, um, you know, Airbnb. I don't know how how they will evolve. Mm. You know. um, so everyone wants to know, really, what's uh, everyone wants to know what lessons they've got for for twenty twenty one. I I feel that no one can really tell. You know, you might have some specific insights into your industry. Um, a lot of people, like Mark Ritson, if you know Mark, Mark Ritson, um, sort of saying that uh, nothing will change. And, and to some extent, he's right. Um, in the bigger picture, things will things, think, think won't necessarily change, but people's habits um, will change, and that will impact um, you know, some industries. But I think the... The uh, full understanding of this changes we won't see for maybe mm. two three years. I don't think that we'll see any big changes in 2021. I think the changes that we will see will happen in the longer term. Yeah, so I'm not exactly answering your question, but no, no, it's fascinating, isn't it? And um, I I think it's interesting. Everybody I've asked this question to talks about will work return back to normal? It's one of the big things, one of the big questions. What's going to happen to work? Will we go back to being in an office nine to five? And what's going to happen to travel and tourism uh, is is another popular question we, we just don't know. Um, I think everyone's agreed that digital seems to be a good way forward. Um, mm. uh, you know, that's one of the big things that we, we've learned is actually uh, digital, I think, has been accelerated in a lot of people's minds and a lot of businesses. So the move to digital, the, the desire to do digital better, um, has been been one of the big trends. I think. I think I think one thing that we have to understand is that the volatility of the market 
I don't no, I, I think that won't necessarily settle down. And I think people have to anticipate more volatility, which means you need to be able to respond quickly. And that means that traditional ways of marketing, which takes longer to plan and to change, will be hit. And the advantage of one of the advantages of digital, which is being able to monitor things in real time and change things in real time, will be will be seen as an, as as a as a place to play. But also, as a result of that, people thinking about their data strategy will put data more at the forefront. So people need to be paying more attention to their data strategy, how they're collecting it, and making sure that they are able to put the right insights into, the, into the, the right hands in a timely way so that people can um, adjust more quickly. Mm. So I'm hoping that you'll see, because I've always been a big fan of data, and I'm hoping you'll see more companies realize that they need to have um, a better data strategy from thinking in terms of how they capture it, how they store it, and how they make it available, and the kind of insights they drive from it um to make it more fit for purpose mm. and think less about big data and about uh, more about the right data um but that you know that's that's gonna that i think is a uh, imperative now and hopefully more businesses will, uh, will see that so companies that can help or consultants and suppliers that can help companies solve that problem i think will will do well mm. another thing i think is that people will start looking at side gigs much more i mean that's obviously side been gigs. A, oh side gigs yeah so that's been a, a growing trend but i think that'll grow even more and you'll see people maybe opt out of doing the normal nine to fives mm. and instead rely on rely on having a number of different um side gigs to to um make ends meet that's a really interesting observation i think you're right i think um people are just very very wary of putting all their eggs in one basket aren't they at the moment and exactly uh, exactly yeah that has implications for social policy as well it's not just you know sort of business um but it has implications for you know like the insurance business for um for travel i mean for for um Commuting, for example, yeah, um, and uh, you know, as I said before, for uh, um, for the restaurants and retail business. So, yeah, um, and then also, will people want to move away from cities more? Mm. That has been a trend over the last few years, but will that increase? Where, you know, I think there's a lot less centralization in big cities, and that that's been a move for the last few years i think that'll probably accelerate yeah no interesting very very interesting well okay well merrick thank you very much thanks merrick thanks again for being on the show always good to have you back always good to reconnect and if you want to know more about merrick uh, all of his info etc you know it by now is going to be in the show notes at ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 46 now it's time for our final guest of the show uh, and you could argue we've been saving the best for last. I wouldn't because all of our guests are fantastic, but I could appreciate why you might argue that. Uh, this is Neil Roberts. Now,
Now, I spoke to Neil back in episode 31 where we talked about customer focus. And at the time, Neil worked for Moo. That's right, the huge company, Moo.com. Uh, but he has since moved on to bigger and better things. So it was I was super keen to catch up with Neil. So here's our conversation. We've gone through what can only be described as the most tumultuous year that most of us have had in living memory. Um, what are you What are you taking from 2019 into 20? Let me rephrase that question. What are you taking from 2020 <laughs> into 2021? Um, it's a good question. Um, not a lot. <laughs> There's not a lot that I necessarily want to take. Um, I think probably more an attitude that actually you, you can deal with with the unexpected. Um, you know, so from my point of view, you know, I'm now in a in a different business and working with a different set of individuals, um, a great team, and there as a business has, uh, are selling a, slight, a fairly different range of products than they were at the beginning of the year, and growth is coming from uh, a very different place for them. And even with with the company that I worked at before, they're they're actually, you know, they've had to make some very difficult decisions, but they're going to be in a good place again. So I think yeah. it's a sense of um, resilience, a sense of you know, actually we can deal with this kind of stuff and this kind of change. Um, so I think that's probably um, probably a renewed attitude towards change, more willing to just get stuck in rather than I think there's there's always a tendency you sit there and mope around for a bit um, so more it's like okay this is what it is let's deal with it what can we do about it so I think that's probably the attitude I'll take take forward um, and that's probably it I think from 2020 <laughs> <laughs> just leave the rest in 2020 <laughs> yeah I think you know the, it's, it's the past can't change it you've got to move forward haven't you <laughs> well there, yeah there is that what's that that verse that says forgetting those things which are past I press on towards the prize of the upward call or something like that it's um it's very much about forgetting the past isn't it and, and striving towards the future yeah uh, that's a good answer that's a very good answer so what are you most excited about for next year um I think it's just the, you know, I've joined uh, a great business, um, which just has a huge amount of opportunity. So that in itself is really exciting and working with a really, really nice bunch. Mm. Um, so I think it's just realizing that opportunity. So you can go in there because I've worked in businesses, you know, earlier in my career that was sort of, you know, 10, 15 people. So I've kind of seen the stage before Papier. And then I spent probably the last 10, 10 or 12 years in businesses of where they, in terms of the size, where they aspire to be. Mm. So I kind of have the before and after, and then it's how can I help them uh, along that journey, which is is really exciting because I I can hopefully help them avoid a lot of the uh, problems that I've spent a big part of the last ten years trying to deal with. Again, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> don't do that because it'll end in this. So I feel a little bit like um, while there's always a lot of uncertainty with certain elements, there's, I've got a, a sort of a secret crystal ball of, right, actually, if you if you do this and you do that, I can see, predict that, you know, you, you'll have some issues here. Yeah. So hopefully uh, being able to get in in a business at, at this stage of growth and, and help that growth happen much faster 
um, without some of the, uh, I suppose, the the challenges that can present when you're doing it for the first time. Yeah. No, that's a really good answer. That's a really good answer. So, I mean, it sounds, um, I mean, it sounds ideal in some respects. You're in a fast-growing company. There's a lot going on. You've got a lot to bring and offer to that company, and it's it's doing some good stuff. So it's a fun place to be, isn't it? And I think, I think that this is a, a common theme that I hear amongst digital uh, digital folks is actually life at the moment because it's busy because we've got covid actually for them can be a lot of fun because of the opportunity and the scope of the stuff that they're dealing with um in the midst of the turmoil that you know every the, the country is facing i'm having fun i feel a little <laughs> bit guilty i'm not going to lie but it's kind of like this is this is this is quite extraordinary isn't it they're quite extraordinary times I think they are. I mean, I've worked in a number of businesses where they've, you know, gone through periods of not having fun times and, um, you know, trading difficulties or just, you know, how to get through to profitability. And they aren't fun places to be. There's no denying. Um, But you do learn a lot when you're there um, and you do get a sense of resilience out out of doing it. So, yeah, it's really nice to be in a business where, you don't have to worry so much about that because um, it just feels that much easier, if that makes sense. Um, so I think, you know, going through growth gives you even even more opportunities to explore yeah. and experiment because um, you get a lot less risk averse than mm. in businesses I've been in in the past. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. Um, yeah, that sounds really sweet. <laughs> and you're right, there's a result. I think when you're in the tough times, when it's hard and you grind it out, that's when resilience, you, you develop a resilience, don't you? So when it is growing, when things are easier, actually you become much better equipped to deal with that. Yeah, I think so. I think this is kind of, it's almost, sounds almost statistic to say, but you kind of, I think it makes a stronger person. So I almost wish that you, you go through that at some point and I'm mm. and I pretty much everybody will whether it's through a personal or a or a business kind of things they'll go through those tough times and they're miserable um but yeah you do come out the other side mm. when you come out the other side um and it does give you a sort of a confidence to deal with with change generally um and a sort of a steadiness and calmness when things aren't looking so great mm. um because you have a reference point and you have the confidence that actually you did or that business did come through that um, so there's that that light at the end of the tunnel, which I think gives people people hope. And I think there's a lot of people that um, when they come back and reflect on this period, it sounds quite trite, actually. Um, but, you know, I've had periods where I've been out of work for quite extended periods. And when you're in it, it's utterly miserable. Yeah. Um, but I look back at it now um, and I'm not sure I would change it, mm. which sounds very odd to say. Um you know, because I've been there on the kitchen table, phoning up, trying to get through to recruiters to get jobs for months on end uh, and not really getting anywhere and being, you know, a, a kind of a month away from defaulting on the mortgage. Mm. Um, and yeah, and, and it's and it's miserable. <laughs> there ain't no lying about that. Um, but yeah, you, you kind of, I think, get a new perspective. Having been through, you know, looking for job again recently is you take a lot of it less personally. Yeah, I think the second or third time round, um, and you realise that actually there's a lot of businesses that are just making decisions to try and survive, yeah. um, because if they don't, then even more people are going to be impacted. Um, and you know, I'm not sure I would necessarily end up in the place I am with the career I am without having gone through all of that. Mm. So, 
Um, yeah, I'm sure it's not fun for a lot of people, but I think there is there's a, there's opportunity on the other side. Um, I think staying in business is, is first thing is is stay in business, yeah. and then you can, then you can grow and you can profit. So I think for a lot of people, it's it's just see this period through. Yeah, it is. No, it's brilliant. And thank you for sharing that. That's very kind of you. And um, I'm sure that'll help a lot of people who are struggling. Uh, because, as you know, on one hand, some of us are doing okay. And on the other hand, some of us are not doing okay right now. Um, and there's winners and there's losers. But um, I, I appreciate uh, what you said, because ultimately, have you ever heard of a guy called um, uh, Admiral Stockdale? James Stockdale. He was mentioned in the book uh, by Jim Collins, Good to Great, if you've ever read that book. I have it on my shelf over my right shoulder. I obviously wasn't paying attention. Obviously. <laughs> it's a great he the book. Submarine guy? Is he the submarine guy? He's the guy that was um, Admiral Stockdale. He was the guy that was captured during the Vietnam War. Oh, and right. he was, um, I think it was a Vietnam War. And he was imprisoned, I think, for about eight years, tortured over 20 times. And he saw people in prison, you know, kind of some of them coped with uh, prison. And let me tell you, prison during a war is no fun. I mean, prison's not great anyway. But can you imagine, you know, there's yeah. no human rights. There's nothing, right? It's horrific. And he he talked to Jim Collins about this. And Jim said to him, how did you, how did you survive something that was so horrific? And he said, well, fundamentally, I had the faith that ultimately – I would prevail and that not only I would prevail, but this would be the defining event of my life for which I, I would not change. Do you know what I mean? And that's, that's kind of, that's a bit like you, like you mentioned, it's a bit sadistic. Yeah. It's like, but actually this is, this is going to change my life in, in ways which are so much better. And that's how he got through prison. And so then Colin says to him, well, who are the people that didn't survive in prison that well? And he said, Oh, that's easy. It's the optimists which I just find the most extraordinary statement. It's the people that would just say, oh, we're going to be out by Christmas. Then Christmas would come and go and they wouldn't be out. Oh, we'll be out by next Christmas and they would come and go and they would, wouldn't be out. And it clearly wouldn't, it, it, do you know what I mean? They, they, they weren't dealing with the situation that was in front of them. And so yeah. Stockdale would often go around to the prisoners saying, listen, you are not going to be out by Christmas, deal with it. And so he said there's this real tension between having the faith that you will ultimately prevail but the ability and strength to confront the brutal facts as they appear today and deal with those head on. And it's like these two things enabled him to deal with prison. I th I, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, you know, the Stockdale paradox. Uh, these two things, the faith that you're going to prevail, the strength to confront the brutal facts. Yeah, and I think, I mean, mine was no Vietnam War, but yeah, I can still remember it, the, the realisation that... Um, no one was going to find a job for me. So I had to, you know, go in and confront confront my demons and, and kind of do the things that I absolutely dread, like cold calling people and going out and, and networking with friends of friends of colleagues of friends, which is, you know, I, I absolutely hate that kind of stuff. It's like, and the sort of the initial small talk, but, you know, to, to, to humble myself, to go out and, and, and see if I could, could find work, you know, yeah. um, so, yeah, I, I have a lot of, I suppose, empathy for that because, yeah, you, I think you do need a bit of optimism, but I think you, 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 that's not enough. You mm. need to put the graft in uh, to, to turn it around. And you need to – I think that's probably the thing is it, it does give you the strength to go, yes, I do have that anxiety in my, in my stomach, 
I don't feel comfortable about this, but it, it forces you to push beyond that. Um, and I think you do grow as a result. Um, yeah. And then when you feel that feeling again, you're kind of, all right, I, I've, I remember this, but I can actually, you know, push past it. Um, so I think it, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'll have to have a reread now. I'll, I'll... <laughs> Just read that little few pages. It's fine. The rest of the book. Just a few pages. But you, I think you quoted it perfectly. It sounded like you you've read that a lot. Well, funnily enough, I was um, I've been doing a lot of research recently on how to overcome adversity. We've been doing a lot of stuff around that, and um, and so yeah, some research went into the Stockdale paradox. So that's why it's all fresh in my thinking. Well, big thanks to Neil. Always love catching up with Neil. He's such a dude, isn't he? I, I just I always enjoy my conversations with him. I always get like a million ideas when I speak to Neil. That is for sure. So a huge thanks to Neil. And of course, a huge thanks to all of my guests from today's show. It was brilliant to catch up with each and every one of you. Uh, we must do it again at some point. Now, you know what? My aim whenever I speak to guests is to always find some real practical nuggets that I can use on my own e-commerce websites. Because like you, I run my own e-commerce business. And I would say we did that today. Definitely can check that off my to-do list. And so I, I hope you got some great stuff out of it too. If you did, then I would totally appreciate it if you could rate the show on iTunes and even share it out so we can connect with more folks around the world and grow what we are doing. Now, as I said at the start, and as I've said many times during the show, uh, all of the notes, links and transcripts to today's show uh, are online and you can get them for free. Just head on over to ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 46 to get them. Thanks for listening and come back next time uh, as we get to interview some more great guests. We're going to get into part two of this discussion uh, all about, you know, what are we taking from 2020 into 2020? 21. So thanks for being with us. My name is Matt Edmondson, and we will be back again very, very soon. You've been listening to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson. Join us next time for more interviews, tips, and tools for building your business online.